All right. Who's hungry and ready for the word today? Yeah. I tell you, this thing never gets old, never goes stale. The Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. And I'll tell you, this is bread that is always fresh, always hot. And always ready to satisfy and nurture the hungry heart, the hungry spirit, like nothing else can do. Um, So today, I want to talk to you, uh, I want to preach out of the book of Matthew in chapter 7. Before we dive in there, um, just kind of set the background for you. In Matthew chapters 5 through 7, the author gives the account of perhaps the most famous sermon, famous message ever delivered in all of history, known as the Sermon on the Mount, uh, other times known as the Beatitudes. And so Jesus is uh, traveling around, he's ministering in different villages and in different places around Galilee. And uh, it says that in this particular instance, as he was getting ready to give this sermon, it said that there were multitudes that were following him. It doesn't actually give an exact number in this case, but we know from many other instances in the Bible where the word multitudes were used, that it was likely into the thousands, perhaps even 10, 20,000. And uh, so Jesus delivers this sermon that lasted for however long. I'm assuming this probably went on for several hours. And uh, he's teaching about all kinds of matters that pertain to our lives and how to live a godly life, how to uh, fulfill what God would have us to do, how to walk our lives out in a way that is uh, according to Jesus's commands. And so it's very um, applicable. These are things that could go out immediately and people could apply these things to their life and immediately begin living more in line with the way God would have them to live. So it's a very, very powerful message. In fact, last year, uh, Katie and I were over in Israel and uh, we were in this exact area of Galilee and the mountain that is presumed where Jesus delivered this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. And I actually have a picture here that I want you to see. This is where it took place. And exactly in this spot, I, we don't really know, but we're on a boat. We're on the Sea of Galilee right here. And uh, you, we're looking over this. You can kind of see how it's almost like a little bit of a funnel right there. And then you've got the back mountains and hillside. And what our guide said likely happened is that Jesus and his disciples kind of led the people onto this hillside, and then they sort of sat at that little valley down below or on the low part of the hill, and Jesus just went up a little bit higher. And based on the way that the land and the terrain are shaped there, the topography, that Jesus could actually be preaching and speaking and his voice would have carried and kind of echoed all through this whole valley in this area where thousands of people could have heard him at one time so he didn't have one of these nifty little gizmos right um so anyway I thought that was really cool that that was the area that it took place and I remember when we were there just really thinking about that trying to picture this setting this scene that we're actually getting ready to read about here today so if you have your Bibles open up to Matthew chapter 7 
And we're going to begin in verse 24. So Jesus is now summarizing, wrapping up. This is the big close for his Sermon on the Mount that he's just spent the last few chapters here uh, giving. So chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. Let me ask you a question. How many people want to build a good life? How many people want to live a good life? I think most of us would say that, that we aspire to that, that we want that. And Jesus is introducing, in this case, it's uh, what's commonly called the parable of the two builders. I think you see the contrast. We have what's called a wise builder, and we have what's called a foolish builder. This isn't real hard to connect the dots, folks. We want to be the wise builder, not the foolish builder in this particular example, right? And so one of the things that God showed me in this passage when I was studying it a number of years ago is, is that he said, make sure you pay attention to the fact that everybody is building something. Like both people in this example, in this parable, are building. It's just what they're building that's different. So I want to suggest to you that what he's referring to as a house in this parable is really a picture of a life. It's the life that we are constructing, if you will. We are all going to live a certain number of days in this world here before we uh, depart. And in those days and during that time, we, however we live is building something it is building a life it is establishing something whether it's purposeful and meaningful or whether it's perhaps completely against what God would have us to do or what he's created us for the the point is is that we are all building something with our lives whether we like it or not so what are we building and I think for many of us hopefully most of us here that uh no Christ would say that we want to build the life that God has created us for. That's what our heart's desire is. That's chief and paramount above anything that we would really want for ourselves is to see God's will and plan for us come to pass. And so Jesus is saying in order to do that, in order to build the life that is going to withstand the trials and the storms and the tests that are yet ahead, it's very simple in the beginning that you have to understand that it has to be built, the foundation has to be laid that is the rock of Jesus Christ. 
that there is no other foundation that we can set up as the base for our lives to come up off of that will be able to sustain and establish the godly calling and the work that he's created us for. It has to be founded upon the rock, which is Jesus Christ. And what he's saying is, whoever hears these words of mine and, and what? Does them. Right, he's saying, it, it, James even says this, he says, don't be just hearers, meaning listeners of the word only, be hearers, which means to hear spiritually, and do. So we actually carry out the commands of Jesus. When we read his word and we receive his spirit, they become the very substance, the very foundation for which we base everything in our lives and our decisions and how we build upon. It's like saying we have different parts of our lives, right? We have relationships, we have gifts that we pursue, passions for maybe injustices, we have a career, a vocation, we have our home and our families we've got all these things in our life and what we have to recognize is that every single one of those things is like a part of the structure a part of the house that's going up and every single one of those areas have to be resting upon the rock foundation of God and his word it, the Bible says that unless the Lord builds the house those who labor labor in vain so anything that we would build, anything that we would establish or attempt to accomplish, if we're not basing how we do it off of the written word, the true principles of the truth according to this Bible right here, then eventually what will happen is that it will come crumbling down. It cannot last the test of time. That's why it gives the other contrast in this parable he says that there's the foolish builder who builds his house on the sand now think about this for a second they're both building something now we can throw a building up we could go out today and we could frame some walls and set them and we could put some real fancy uh you know cosmetic exterior on there dress it up with great uh you know paint and sh and shutters and windows do all these real fancy nice kind of things but if we just threw it up in the middle of some piece of ground where there's a bunch of sand and silt underneath of it what how how smart would that really be not very smart at all right I mean we could drive by it and, and do like you know when you're looking at homes you, you first thing you do is you do the the drive-by right and you drive by and you're like oh this looks really nice honey this is great let's what's the next step let's call the agent and schedule a viewing let's take a deeper look at what appears very very nice on the outside look I'll be the first to tell you people can look like they got it all together it can look like on the outside, it is some of the most fancy facade, well-dressed and well-kept you've ever seen in your life. Very impressive, very attractive, and really kind of make you think this is something that it really is not. And what makes it something that it's really not? It's when you schedule that viewing and you go into the house, and imagine you love everything you see on the outside, so pretty and so nice, just perfect to your tastes. But you go downstairs into the basement, and you look at all of the foundation around and it's cracking and it's breaking and it's caving in and it's just barely holding up what's above there. Now all of a sudden, the picture that you have is very different, isn't it? 
I mean, you'd be running from there. There'd be no contract getting signed, right? No letter of intent on that house. And that's what Jesus is trying to show us. He's trying to show us that we're all building a life, every one of us. And that's actually a gift that we've been given. And we can build it the way that he has created us to build it, or we can choose to go a completely different direction. And if we do, it's going to be like we're building the walls and the structure and everything we're trying to put up, as well as we make it look, as nice as we dress it up, that if it's away from the, the, the plan that God has and the way that he tells us to build, then ultimately it's resting on something that is very unstable, very fracturable, and it's as soon as a strong, heavy storm comes along, guess what? It's going to reveal itself for what it is. It will not be able to stand the test of time. So the first point to being a wise builder, in fact, that's the title of the message if you're taking notes today, is a wise builder. The first point is that you have to build on the right foundation. Frankly, if Jesus doesn't say it or if his words don't guide it, then we're directionless. We're aimless in where we're headed with it. And anything that we endeavor to do, we always need to strive to do it according to the way that God lays out in his principles and precepts in his word for us to do that. And then we can trust in faith that everything God gives us, all the wisdom, all the ability, everything that he speaks of in his word, that as we trust in faith, as we move forward and make decisions off of that foundation, it's like we're putting up walls that now can begin to get anchored and stand on something that's sure and solid. Will storms come to test it? Yes. But will it hold strong and stay on rock and not be pushed over or broken down? Absolutely. As opposed to if we try to build some elements of our life. You know what, honey? I think we'll put the main quarters on the foundation, but I think let's throw a few of these other parts of our house up over here on the sand. Let's, let's add on an addition, but I don't, let's not put that one on the solid rock foundation. Let's, let's put that part of our life over on something else the way that we want to do it. And, and ultimately, what happens is that that thing will fall. So everything that we do that's a part of our house, our life that we build, has to all be anchored on that solid foundation, has to get that fresh, right, appropriate start. The next thing that we know from the Bible that we have to do and this isn't a comprehensive list. These are just a number of elements and points in the word of God that I want to share with you today in effort to say we're trying to build a life that is honoring and pleasing to God, a life that he's created us for. And here are some of the things that we need to know that we need to follow in order to build properly. So we have to build on the rock foundation, which was number one. And number two is that we have to build with integrity, with integrity. So several things with integrity. The first thing is that we cannot go and cut corners. We cannot take shortcuts. Character, perseverance, patience are things that are wrought in us through time and through trials. There's no way of circumventing those processes. Now, if you've ever built a house or had a house built, which where we lived previously, we had it built. And, uh, you know, so it was all exciting. New house was going up and everything. And sometimes when you're trying to do something, you can get in a hurry and you can start taking shortcuts and cutting some corners to try to get done faster, right? And, and when they're putting down the floors in these houses, the, there's a certain number of nails that have to go in. There's a, even a certain amount of inches. You're not supposed to go any further before you put another nail. And there's a reason for that. So that, that 
those nails are enough to hold that floor down and then it doesn't start to lift and want to pop up over time. Now, in our house, I think it was obvious that there were some places where some corners were cut because everything looked great on the outside. You know, the drywall and the paint and the carpet and everything looked good. But about a year or two into the time that we were there, we started to notice um, that there were some places that it looked like some corners had been cut and some shortcuts were taken. Because when you were walking through the house, there were these places where it was like, and every time you went back in that place, it was like, and it was a creek, right? So when shortcuts get taken, a lot of times it won't be immediately, but after a while, as time goes on, some creeks will start to reveal themselves in our lives. And you're not gonna like what you hear when they do and may I also suggest to you that they will come at the most inconvenient of times walking through the house in the middle of the night trying to be quiet with sleeping babies those doggone builders (laughs) you know so the Bible says in the book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 22 if you're going to do anything anything that you would do do it with all of your heart and do it unto the Lord as to God and not unto men so anything, this is, everybody's heard this from your parents, right? Anything worth doing is worth doing right. If you're going to do it right, do it the first time so you don't have to come back and do it again. And so when we're building, guys, building with integrity means trust this word. Will it always be convenient and comfortable to follow it? No, Will it seem like it's taking longer than you want sometimes or that you'd like to go a different direction but you know in your heart this really isn't the way God's called you to go or laid out for you? Those are the moments, guys. Those are the tests of character to see what you're gonna do and how you're gonna respond. Are you gonna put the right number of nails in even though you're trying to get done faster? That's what we've gotta know is that building with integrity means obeying this 100% of the time. Not most of the time, 100% of the time, even when it's hard and difficult. Building with integrity. The other thing we got to know is that we have to be honest and true, completely 100% honest in everything that we do. Man, your word is important, and people need to be able to trust you. But listen, if 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 you err off of honesty, even in the slightest little bit, I'm telling you, you begin a little slippery slope of compromises that'll eventually lead you down a very decaying and and dangerous path. Job says in chapter 31, book of Job, he says, let me be weighed on honest scales that God may know my integrity. You gotta know, folks, you can fool people. There's some people that are foolable all the time. How does that go? Some people are foolable, a lot of, I forget it, anyway. So, (laughs) you can fool people, but you can't fool God. In fact, uh, in the book of Samuel, it says that the man sees the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. You know, 100% honesty, 100% of the time, and no other policy. We have to build with integrity. And the other thing with integrity that I'd say is that we have to know how we treat people all of the time is huge and critical to us fulfilling what God is calling us to do. Sometimes in building, getting caught up in our own agenda, 
other people can, we can view other people as like getting in our way, messing up our plan, creating problems for us, instead of recognizing that they're all people who need to feel the love of God. There's never a time where there's anyone that we will deal with, even the hard ones, right? Don't look at the person next to you right now. This is not a good time for that. Even the hard people to deal with. We are really commanded to love all of them all of the time. Now, we can treat different, handle situations differently, respond differently, but ultimately, we can never come out from under that love that we're supposed to share in the way we're supposed to conduct ourselves in our relationships with other people. Loving other people along the way as we build, knowing that we're impacting and affecting so many scenes, other people's situations as we go forward is huge to us building upright, building with integrity as we are seeing God do the work in our lives that he wants to do. So we build on the right foundation, we build with integrity. And then the last thing I want to say is that we have to build for the long haul. We have to build with endurance. We have to see that what we're doing isn't just for the here and now. It's for what's ahead and what's still down the road. The Bible says that uh, it, a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I hope you wrote that down, Grandpa. Um, that's good. It's in Proverbs. It's a good one. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you later. Um, a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And, and inheritance isn't just, you know, a bank account or a trust fund. It, it's, it's a legacy, guys. It's how you've impacted the world. It's what you've taught, what you've instilled in them, what you've exemplified consistently through your life. My grandpa and grandma, she, my grandma turns 86 today. My grandpa turns 86 on Tuesday. They've been married 60. Yeah. <clears throat> They've been married 66 years. And listen, I, I tell you that because to me, this is a picture of legacy. Like their whole life, as long as I, I can never know and as everything I've ever heard going back, they've loved God, they've loved each other, and they've loved people. And, and it stood the test of time. 86 years strong. They've had many trial and many adversities. And they've continued to be the people that they are through all of that. That's leaving an inheritance to your children's children. My grandkids, or my, my kids, <sighs> <sighs> lives <laughs> are touched, are affected, and will never, that can never be taken away by the life that they live because they've built for the long haul. You've got to know that you're building for something that is gonna outlast you. And I know, like, one of the things whenever uh, my dad and I are doing projects, he's great about helping me with projects, and, you know, I help him with some. He helps me with a lot more. But, uh, you know, when we're doing things, um, like, let's say at, at the lake house or whatever, I, I used to be, when I was younger, you know, I thought I knew everything, right? And uh, dad didn't know anything. That's how I used to be. And... Um, we would be doing stuff and I would, I would think to myself like, man, that's just like overkill. Like, dad, why are you doing all, like that's gonna take two extra hours. Like, man, I gotta hit the bar with my friends, you know? Come on, what's going on here? And, uh, 
so I always saw like everything that he would want to do is just like way more than above him, like overkill, unnecessary. And it isn't until I started getting older that I really actually heard what I should have been hearing. And he would say things like, well, you know, whenever you guys are down here and your kids are enjoying this place or whenever your kids grow up and they're down here or whenever this is happening. And, and I realize now that like he wasn't doing what he was doing for today. He wasn't like doing what he was doing so that it could look good tomorrow. Like he saw way down the road. He saw that what he was doing, he wanted to make, he could have done it quick or easy, yeah, but he was doing it in a way that would last for years and years ahead, way beyond when he was actually enjoying or experiencing any of that stuff. And I think if we get that picture in the way we're building our lives for the long haul, for the long run, that we're impacting future generations generations with the lives that we're building today I think we will live a lot differently just like you'll build a deck differently right Gary just like you'll build a little uh, project you'll do it differently if you're doing it to last 50 years versus five years and our lives are something that as we build to honor and glorify God they have the ability to affect the generations after us and how we in so how we build them is very important and the other thing with building for the long haul is that we have to know that as we're doing the right thing over and over and over again, that you're not always going to see the immediate response or an immediate blessing that comes from that. I think there's some teaching even in the church today that's just a little bit off, you know, and people have this idea that like, okay, I'm gonna do the right thing so that the blessing comes. And all of a sudden, like, now the motivation for doing right or doing the good things, the motivation becomes the blessing that I get back. And that's never a part of the way the Bible says we're supposed to view that. Do the blessings come? Yes, absolutely. But we don't do it for that. We do it for God because it's the right thing. And then the blessings just happen the way that they happen. And so if we're doing it for that, there's something off with our theology and with our understanding of the scriptures, just to make that point. But you've got to know that you can never relent you can never stop or disengage from doing the right thing from following your convictions and honoring the word of god no matter how long or delayed or or time uh, seems to go by before you see what you view as the the answer or the breakthrough or the blessing that might be coming because what you got to know is that every good deed you do every act of faith every act of obedience all carries a blessing with with it that even transcends and supersedes what we see in the natural right now that's eternal it's stored up in heaven for us and so we just keep doing what's right over and over and over again without the thought that I'm going to stop doing this at some point if I don't see a blessing or some kind of reward that comes from that the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 one of my favorites it says do not grow weary in doing the right thing for in due season or in due time, you will reap a harvest if you do not lose heart and give up. Isn't that good? You will reap a harvest if you do not lose heart and give up. But what happens a lot of times is we do, do some things for a while and then people get discouraged, they lose heart, and they give up and they go back to old precepts and old ways of doing things and now they, it's like they pick that wall up and they take it over and set it on the sand whenever they might have started on the rock. And it doesn't work that way. And I want to show you something, just a little demonstration, because 
This whole idea of continuing to do what's right over and over and over again and never stopping no matter what is something that's really, the Lord really dealt with me on this over the years. And uh, I have here with me a big piece of stone. And one of the things in construction that we used to work a lot with uh, was rock and stone. And I always enjoyed this when we did these projects because, you know, they got all these real fancy tools and machines and stuff nowadays and it's cool to see how construction is done but when you work with stone and rock it's it's just like kind of the old days because you have to use these sets these chisels in order to cut these rocks like you you when you if you saw cut it you just get a a a manufactured look on the edge you want a natural look so you have to break it with a set and you have to score it all the way around and you know sometimes you have to score a piece of stone 40 50 times before you finally had it break right where you wanted it to break. And then, it, and then you know, you had the piece to fit in the spot or in the place that you wanted it to go. And so I think that Galatians 6, 9 really reminds me a lot of this demonstration. So I want to break this stone. And let's just say, you know, I pick my spot. So I got my line and I know where I want to break it. And so I'm just scoring it. over and over again, you know, just hitting it with precision, seeing what I'm trying to build, seeing what I'm trying to cut, just kind of over and over again, continuing to do what I got to do to make this thing break. That wasn't a perfect break, but I could clean that up. So... You see that my line is right where it was, right? I had to go all the way around that and score that. And let me ask you a question. Was it the last hit, the last strike that I pounded that with that broke the rock in the right place? No. That actually was the strike that just finished the job that was being done the whole time. Every time I score that, every time I hit that, it fractures a little more. It cracks a little more. I can't see it. I don't see it inside the rock, traveling through the veins in the sediment of the rock that's been created over time. But every time I strike it, I know it's fracturing. I know it's getting closer to breaking. How many times I have to hit it and at what precise point the final strike occurs, I don't know. I have no idea. It's only a guess. But I know that if I keep striking and keep striking in the right place over and over and over again, eventually that thing is going to break through where I want it to break. And when it comes to doing the right thing, following God with your life, trusting Him, Everything that you do for the Lord is like another strike in your life. It's like another crack. It's like another fracture. You don't know when the breakthrough seasons are coming. You don't know when the answers that you're looking for are going to happen or open up for you. You just have to know that as long as you keep striking diligently over and over again, doing the right thing, that God is going to separate that thing and break those things open in your life in the moments and in the times and the season when he is ready to do that. 
The Bible says that he is not slack concerning his promises. Let me put it another way. God is never late to the game. He is always an on-time God. In fact, we're the ones that have timing screwed up. God never has timing wrong. So if I can just resolve, as long as I keep striking, and as long as I keep trusting, and as long as I keep walking and doing what I know God's called me to do, I'm going to see many rocks break. I'm going to see many waters part. I'm going to see many things happen that are going to be like breakthroughs in my life. But I'm not doing what I'm doing just so I can get the blessing. I'm doing what I'm doing because I heard the words of Jesus and I'm choosing to do them no matter what it costs me and no matter how long it takes. Because I'm not building a day, I'm building a life. Amen. And the last thing that I'll say in building with endurance and building with the long haul is that we have to build with an eternal perspective. The Bible says that we set our minds on eternal things, on heavenly things, not on temporal things or things of this world. So if our blueprint or if our, our vantage point is entirely constructed or framed from just this life as we know it, then there will be a, a whole vantage point that we fail to see that is more from an eternal perspective that actually we all need to influence the way that we build every single day. See, building my life here is preparing me for eternity that's yet to come. When I go to be with Jesus and I leave this world, the house that I've built is going to come under examination, okay? When you build a building and you prepare it and you have it ready, before you are granted occupancy, there is a final inspection. Are you with me? And they go through, and they make through everything has been built to standard, built to code, everything is right, and if, if it fails inspection, you are not granted occupancy. Not going in. <laughs> you got to get it right. When we leave this world, God is going to look upon every single person's life, and he is going to see, did you love my son? Are you covered with his blood? Did you make him your Lord and Savior? He is going to make sure that we have accepted and received Jesus. And when he sees that we've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus, occupancy is going to be granted into eternity. And the life that we have built, folks, this is the word of God. The life that we have built is going to be examined. The Bible speaks of crowns and heavenly rewards that we will see when we get there. Much of that is a mystery to me. But I know that it's coming, and I know that it's relevant, or God wouldn't have spoke about it in his written word already so that I could see that. So everything that I build and everything that I do in my life, 
God is going to see that. He's going to examine that. And that's going to affect a, a part of what my eternity looks like for all of us. And so we have to know that we are building with an eternal perspective because when we do, we will build differently than if we're only building with a temporal perspective. Amen? Amen. When you're building that house, you don't build it just so it can be finished and the people who built it can walk away. You build it so that it can be lived in and occupancy can be granted and it can stay for a long, long time. So look, we're, we're builders. We're all builders. I pray that we are wise builders, not foolish builders that we build upon solid foundation and solid rock, that we build upright and with integrity 100% of the time, and we build with an eternal perspective for the long haul, for the life that's here and the life that's yet to come. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me as we close in prayer today, and I'll have our team come up. I want to pray, and after we pray, just give a shout of victory, a shout of praise, and close in just a short worship set before we dismiss, but let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name now, God, I ask you that you would just pull on each and every heart here this morning, Lord, that you would sow the seed of your word deep into the soil of our hearts, that we would understand, God, that you have a plan for us, that you have an amazing life that you've created us for. But we can't build that life without you. We can't build that life without building on your foundation and according to your precepts and your ways. I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just begin to minister to each and every person here. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you say, Pastor, you know, Everything you said, I, it makes sense, I get it, but I, man, I'm at this point where I've never really given my life to Christ. I've never made him Lord. I've never accepted him and surrendered and chose to live my life for him. I just want to encourage you today to invite Jesus into your heart and tell God that you, you're ready to turn from the old life that you've lived and turn to the new life that he has for you and that Jesus is the way the truth in the life. No one comes to God except through him. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you shall be saved. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Give your life to Christ today. I encourage you. Make that decision to serve him. And as you do, God knows your heart. If you mean business and this is your heart's cry, he will send his Holy Spirit. He will live on the inside of you. The Bible will be, you will be what the Bible refers to as born again and made a new creation in Christ. And you will have the power and the ability to walk with him, to know him, to hear his voice, and to live out the life that he's calling you to live. I pray that you would give your life to him today. And if you make that decision, please come talk to me or talk to some of our leaders here that will pray with you, encourage you, and help you to move forward in this journey that you're on. And for everyone else, I just pray God would surround you with his love, with his joy, with his peace, and that he would just give you a full assurance that he knows the way. He's got the right path. He will make your crooked path straight. He will instruct you how to build. 
And he's prepared a life for you that's far better and exceedingly greater than anything you could prepare for yourself. Resign yourself to his will and his alone, his plan and his alone. And build on the rock, build with integrity, and build for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.